You may be seated. God is with us. Glad to see you all out this morning that you made it here on the, what day is this? Wednesday morning. <clears throat> we know some that's from the local area that have to work. You know, I, they tell me sometimes, you know, I got to work. I got this commitment. I got that commitment. I said, I understand. I said, not all of us can play. Somebody's got to work. <laughs> you know, we understand that. And so you just go bring home the bacon and everything's going to be all right. But God is with us, and we live in supernatural times, and we need to understand that God always has a plan divine. There is never a loss with the Lord at knowing what the church should be doing. But there seems to be always a loss in the church for the church to understand what the Lord wants us to be doing. And that's where error and confusion division and separation comes in but we want to get on God's path follow his plans follow his purposes and we know that there are in in the body of Christ there are many different groups that are born-again Christians and the, these born-again Christians that are in the body of Christ they have a specific agenda have a specific purpose have specific ideas about scriptures of the Bible. Some of them believe, you know, in, in just the basics of salvation, which we so greatly need, and we don't want to despise that in any way. But the basics of salvation, and that's what they preach and teach. They go no further than that, and if you try to encourage them to move on, some may move on, but as a general rule, you've got to fight on your hand. If you try to move a whole faction of them, our sect of them, our group of them, or you could say a denomination in a certain way, just because they don't have that revelation. And sometimes because they don't have that revelation, it doesn't mean that they're bad people, but you can actually stop on a revelation that where God was just getting you started on. Because there is revelation that comes from heaven that's beyond the wisdom of man. And sometimes, if we don't understand this, we can get stuck on a truth and stuck in a place where God wants us to move on and He wants us to go further and He wants us to accomplish more in the church world. So you've got uh, factions in the body of Christ, groups, put it like this, uh, that uh, believe, you know, certain things. You've got n- uh, another group, you know, that believes in salvation and then they'll add the baptism of the Holy Ghost to it uh, with the uh, speaking in other tongues. And then, of course, you've got a group in that group that believes that you're filled with the Holy Ghost, uh, even though you don't speak in tongues. But, of course, that's not scriptural. And then there is a group among the Pentecostal folks that believes if you do not speak in tongues, you cannot go to heaven. I don't know if you know that or not. But there there are some of the old-timers. Some of this is moving out. But Uncle Smut, Uncle James, he was Uncle Smut. I don't know how he was the smuttiest fellow I knew. But Uncle Smut is what we called him, Uncle Smut, Uncle James. He was United Pentecostal Holiness. And he would come hear me preach in a tent my daddy had. He would come in, especially earlier on. And back in those days, you know, that preaching anointing was on me, that evangelistic anointing. And every now and then it comes on me now, you know. And I was preaching with that fire and brimstone, and he liked that. I mean, he liked for you just to, you know, to preach so hard and hot about hell and that that people got up and run to the altar, you know. And he liked that. But every time that I would get through preaching, he would come to me and wait for everybody and he would come talk to me. He said, now, he said, now just listen to your uncle now, Randy. Listen to your uncle. I said, yes, sir, Uncle Smut. I said, what you want to tell me? He said, now, you know, he said, you've got to tell these people if they're going to heaven, he said, they've got to speak in other tongues. He said, because if you don't speak in other tongues, he said, you're not born again and you're not going to heaven. I said, okay, Uncle Smut. Now, the reason I said okay is because you can't argue with Uncle Smut. Uncle Smut is thoroughly mixed and well set like concrete. And I'm here to tell you, you are not going to change his mind. And then I fooled around and we made a mistake and had a baptismal service. Oh, we should have never done that with Uncle Smut there. Because we baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. We just made sure they got it all. You know what I mean? We, and, and he comes slipping up. And I mean, his face was red as a beat and everything. And he said, Son, I've been talking to you. 
And he said, now you're disobeying the Bible. And he said, you know better than that. He said, I, I've trained you well. <laughs> and he said, you know if people's not baptized in the name of Jesus only, he said, they're not going to make it. He said, all them people, he said, you're going to have to get up there and tell them that you was wrong and that you missed it. And I said, well, Uncle Smut, I said, I think that now it's time for me to tell you that I don't see everything just like you see it in the Bible. And I don't understand it just like you see it in the Bible. Because he was fixed on one truth. He was fixed on one revelation. He was fixed on one thought. He was fixed on one idea. And he couldn't move on from there to the point that he cut many people out of his life that could help him. And if you don't watch that, sometimes you can cut people out because they may not have something right in some area or you have a personality conflict with them, you understand? Because you can do that or dislike this particular characteristic of a person or maybe they missed it here. But you know, people can be right in one area and wrong in another, or in another area. You understand that? And I have learned from different people, you know, over my ministry, and I'm still learning. Now, that doesn't mean that I follow someone closely that I know that is uh, that's probably missing it in a certain area, but I certainly don't totally cut them off because I'll listen because sometimes, and a lot of times, God will use people to say things that will help you. In fact, Dad Hagen said that he attended a meeting one time, and when he went in this meeting, he said he disagreed with this minister already. He already knew before he went, he disagreed. And then the minister got in there, and he got to talking. They disagreed on some different things, I think, about faith and confession and healing and, you know, some stuff like that. And he said that he started right off, and he said it kind of plowed his field crosswise when it come to healing some of the doctrinal truths that Dad Hagen, I mean, that was founded and established in. I mean, he, he just knew that this is the way, and he had great results and great success preaching that way and ministering in the local church. And then suddenly this minister got up there, started plowing his field soft, crosswise, and he said, Now... He said, I could have sat there, and he said, I could have got angry, and I could have got mad, I could have got disappointed, and I could have cut him off and not received anything from him. He said, but I didn't cut him off. He said, I just didn't accept everything he said, but I did listen. And he said, as I kept listening, he said, it wasn't very long. He said that suddenly that man answered a question that I had been looking for the answer to for over 20 years. People can have things right, you understand, in one area and be wrong in another area. And so we're going to have differences in the body of Christ. You understand? Uncle Smut, if he was here today, now he knows the truth because he's in heaven. I'm sure he made it because he had all kinds of formulas and ways to get there. Because <laughs> he always helped Jesus. I mean, you know, you had to do this, and you had to do that, and you had to do this. And, and, you know, and I'm sure that the Lord looked down with love on all of us, you know. And, and, and it seemed that, you know, we was trying our best to make it, you know, and get there. And, of course, we do believe that there are principles that we can apply from God's Word. But He was just helping God. So I think between helping the Lord and the blood of Jesus, He made it. And now He most, more clearly... And if he could come back now, he would say, preach it, Brother Randy. Yeah, so you can get stuck in Revelation truth. But we don't want to get stuck. But at the same time, we don't want to get flaky. One thing that we learned, and one reason I believe that the Lord sent me by way of Rhema to sit at the feet of Dr. Kennedy Hagen, one reason he sent me there was to learn balance. To learn balance, because you can get unbalanced, because I've, you know, I've done it myself. You know, get to concentrating solely on a certain thing or certain truth or certain idea, and you over-focus on it, and you get over-focused, and you get out of balance on it. You know, and one thing that he shared with us over the years is, he said the church seemed like they'd never been able to stay in the middle of the road on any Bible truth. You know, he said we ought to learn to stay in the road on Bible truths and Bible doctrines. 
He said, because if you don't watch it, he said, you can take a doctrine and go to the extreme, such as we know about the, the doctrine of grace. We all believe in the grace of God. And in fact, I was thanking God for his mercy and grace this morning. If it wasn't for his grace, you know, and mercy, you know, none of us would be here, especially me, I can tell you that. But if you take grace to the extreme and say that God loves us so much, it matters not what you do, how you act, how you live, and you still, everybody's going to heaven. And an extreme grace goes as far as to say that even the devil himself is going to be saved. You know, that's, so that's getting in the ditch, you understand? The grace of God is where God can shore us up and forgive us in His infinite love and wisdom and mercy when He sees us missing it. And sometimes we actually miss it on purpose and don't even know we're missing it on purpose. Because we've got our way set, you know, that we're going some way. So I say that to say this. Be open to the Spirit of God. For revelation is coming in this day because it's time for it to be released. Not nothing outside the Bible. Everything that God will ever say and ever do will be inside of the Word of God. And there's revelation truths that we need to embrace backed up with the Scriptures. And there are things that we can learn from those that's already gone on and some that are among us even today that we can learn from even though we may disagree with certain things and certain things that I'm not going to follow. And there's certain people that I don't follow closely at all. I mean, I don't follow them at all. I mean, but I, I, every now and then I get a gleam of truth from them, you know, and, and, and because I had things in my spirit. The Lord just gives me checks sometimes not to go there, not to do that. You remember, and I might have shared it in one of these meetings before, about the lady with the feathers and oil. You remember her? That was over at the Maybe Center. You know, some of the key leaders, and I'm not belittling anybody, but some of our key leaders, I'm talking about the top of the line, I mean off the top shelf leaders in what a lot of people call the Word of Faith movement. It's actually the Bible movement. But anyway, it's a, the Word of Faith movement. Some of the key leaders introduced this lady to us in the Word of Faith. We didn't even know she existed. But when she started having these feathers and oil dripping out of her hand and feathers flying, you know, Burt Clendenin, I don't know if he was... Old. Anybody ever heard of Burt Clinton? And if you hadn't, bless you. No, because yeah, he was skinned to hide off of you. He was one of them old-time Pentecostal preachers. When he heard about the feathers dropping, he said, My God, who shot the Holy Ghost? <laughs> yeah. uh, he was bold as a lion. He preached hell hot and heaven real. But anyway, I was, I was uh, you know, a, a Remy, 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 you know what Remy is. That's what we called it back in Georgia before I got there. They called it Rama, you know. But I was one of them Remy people, and I just had a habit of praying and about everything I'd done, you know, just praying about which way to go. Didn't know a whole lot, you know, didn't have a lot of doctrinal truths and revelations. I was being taught and trained that. But I would pray, and that's one thing I knew. I knew the Lord. I knew the Holy Ghost. Everything you do, if you'll know Him, He'll keep you on the right path. You don't have to know everything, but you need to know Him. And when you know Him, I'll guarantee you, He'll keep you on the right path. But I kept having this check. My friends were getting excited because they were packing out the Maybe Center. And the who's who in the body of Christ were flooding the building. I mean, they were packing the chairs. I mean, filling this place up. Don't know if you've been there. It's on the ORU campus area, you know, this large, gigantic facility. And uh, they were packing it out. And any of the who's who ministers in the Word of Faith movement, you just name them and you got it right. And a lot of them are still alive today. Just name them and you got it right. A lot of them are internationally known today. Just name them and you got it right. A lot of them on TV internationally today. Just name them and you got it right. So we say all that to make it all inclusive. <laughs> Almost every single one of them were there. And I'm not saying this to talk disparagingly. But the Holy Ghost in me told me, don't go there. I didn't know why, but he said, don't go there. But I didn't know why. I'm just a baby, you know. Spiritually, I'm just a baby. But all I knew is that inward witness. It wasn't a voice, an angel didn't fly by, Jesus didn't appear, the Holy Ghost didn't speak from heaven. But just an intuition, don't go there. 
We've been taught that's a check, a signal, a stop sign, an unction, an intuition. Don't go there. Don't go there. Don't go there. So I didn't go there. But everybody else was going there. I say, don't let me lie. Most everybody I knew, most everybody, not everybody, but most everybody I knew was going and, and getting involved and encouraging me to go. And I didn't discourage them. I didn't even tell them the unction I had because I knew that they would call me unspiritual. I knew they would call me unspiritual because if you don't go with the crowd, they think you're wrong. You know what I mean? And then sometimes the way God takes you and leads you may not be the crowd's way of going. But when you follow His plan, you're right. But I didn't want to talk disparagingly about it. I didn't even know what it was. But to make a long story longer, that's when Gospel Bill was going strong. You remember Gospel Bill, Reverend Willie George, was going strong. And he had this highfalutin TV cameras and equipment and all this stuff that could break down this. Uh, he could take a, a, a piece of what they called it film back then. Now they do it digital, like even our cameras. It records digitally in the computer. Now they've got tapes in that thing just as a backup in case something happens to the computer in, in the camera. But it's recorded digitally. But anyway, in those days, it was called VHS, you know. And they had another type, but VHS tapes. You remember the tapes that they had? Well, he had equipment, uh, Reverend Willie George had equipment that could take each frame because what a, a video is is a bunch of pictures put together, and it runs real fast. I think it's close, but anyway, <laughs> don't think I'm technical. But I'm talking about that's what basically it is. So they got video footage, he and uh, Reverend Charles Capps, who went to heaven. Charles Capps, I believe my friends here from Fremont, uh, said that he called somebody and told them when he was going. Isn't that right? He called somebody and told them he was going on Sunday. Isn't that right? And how he would go, he called him and told him, I think he called Reverend Mark Barclay. Isn't that right? And, and, and told him that, you know, Brother Mark, it's been good to know you and everything. He said, but I'm going. It's my time is here is over. And he said, I'm headed out of here. And he went just like he said he would. You know, it takes faith to live. It takes faith to die. <laughs> you got to know you're right then. I mean, you just think you're right now, but you got to know it when you get there. So he went over. Anyway, Reverend Charles Capps and Reverend Willie George, and of course this has been years ago, got this video footage because uh, Brother Willie George was just a skeptic. It's good to be a skeptic as long as you don't go too far. You can be a skeptic, but just don't go too far. You can be so skeptic of everything and everybody you understand that you isolate yourself, ostracize yourself, and marginalize yourself. But anyway, <clears throat> here they are, and they get this uh, footage, and they break it down. And they break it down frame by frame in what they proved, and they put together a VHS tape that I saw myself. So it's not something I heard. And they showed this lady that these feathers and this oil wasn't supernatural at all. Now, it could have been supernatural because the devil does work supernatural miracles. And if you don't believe that, just get, I've got a, a series called, or a single CD somewhere. I don't know if it's here, but you can get it at our website if we don't have it here, called Satanic Lions, Signs, and Wonders. And about how miracles, the devil can do things to deceive people. He works miracles. So how do you know? Remember when Aaron and Moses went down and slung down their rod in front of Pharaoh? Well, the soothsayers, the magicians, the evil folks slung down their rod and it became a snake just like theirs. They matched a miracle for miracle up to a point. And then they said, the evil worshipers of Satan said to Pharaoh, don't mess with these men. He said, this is the mighty power of God. But for a while, they were matching Moses and Aaron who was working under the anointing and working of miracles of the power of God. The devil just kept right up with them. You don't watch it in these last days. There's going to be a lot of satanic lying signs and wonders. And we don't want to just accept and embrace any and everything. So anyway, it could have been supernatural. The devil can cause things like that to happen to deceive people. But what they showed that it was not supernatural at all what this lady was doing. It was called sleight of hands. In fact, it was a magic show is what it was. You could go see magic shows here in Branson. In fact, there used to be Kirby around here. 
Is he still around here somewhere? Well, he is, and he does a magic show. And he used to, I don't know if he still does the same thing. And, of course, a lot of kids go. We took our son Randall when he was a little fellow, you know, back then. And he'd done a lot of things, and he'd done it sleight of hands. I mean, it looked magical. Even the adults were going, ooh, ah, where'd that come from? Where'd he get that? It was just amazing. It seemed like he just caused things to materialize from nowhere. That was not there, then all of a sudden it was there. Where'd it come from? When he got through doing the magic show, he sat down on this large platform. He just sat down on one of the side steps there. And he said, now let me tell you the truth. He said, boys and girls... He said, magic is not real. He said, this is sleight of hand. He said, what I've been doing is fooling you by getting you to focus on one thing while I'm pulling something else out of my sleeve. And he showed a couple of things. He said, now what is the real thing is Jesus Christ. And he began to give his testimony and tell about the Lord. I don't know if he still does it or not, but he did. Well, what's what he's doing? He's telling the truth. Well, this lady over there in this meeting in the Maybe Center she didn't sit down and give her testimony and tell them. <laughs> now, this is sleight of hand. <laughs> this is not real. She didn't tell them that. She said, oh, this is the mighty power of God. And they showed this lady. She would wear long sleeves, and they showed her with sleight of hands. And while everybody was focused on some great thing, she said, or she prophesied over one of the big, you know, ministers of our, our, that time, you know. And then she would slip a feather out from underneath her, 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 her little sleeve there, and it would float down, and people, ah, they would dance and shout, froth at the mouth. And then they showed this lady getting these little vials of oil and slipping them into her hand that would melt with body heat, so tiny. And she would just close her hand. They showed it. Willie George broke it down. Boom, 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 boom. And then she would open her hands, and this oil would drip out. And they would, oh! Some people would just fall out. But it was all deception. All deception. It's all wrong. So, I said that to say this. No, we don't accept and embrace everything everybody says or does. There's nothing wrong with examining things. Nothing wrong with carefully matching things to the Bible. But at the same time, again, if you don't watch it, you can get so focused on your ideas and your truths and the things you understand that you can't see anything else. Now, having said that, turn to St. John chapter 16. Because we want to focus on what the Lord Jesus Christ is doing and saying today. We don't want to get flaky. We want to get in the middle of the road and stay in the middle of the road on revelational truths. St. John chapter 16, the verse number... 13, Jesus said, Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come. And this is before, right before he's crucified, you know, and, and everything. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. So when the spirit of truth has come, now the spirit of truth, who is he? If you go back to verse 7, it says here, It is expedient for you that I go away, for if I go not away, the comforter will not come. Well, who is the comforter? The comforter is the Holy Spirit. The comforter is the Holy Ghost. The comforter is the spirit of truth. So the spirit of truth is the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, the spirit of the living God. And the comforter according to the Bible, is our counselor, he's our helper, he's our advocate, he's our intercessor, he's our strengthener, and he's our standby. He's there with us. Notice when the Spirit of Truth, the Holy Ghost would come, and he's been here since we know Acts chapter 2, when he was poured out, so he's here right now. So what's he going to do? We see here, number one, he's going to guide us into all truth. 
If you're going to be led and guided, listen to the Spirit of God inside of you if you've been born again. That doesn't mean that you can't learn from other people. Doesn't mean you can't get revelation from other people's revelation. But you listen to the Spirit of God inside of you. And what's He going to do? He's going to guide you into all truth. And then also, in the latter part of that verse, He will show you things to come. Now the way the Spirit of God brought that to me one time, He will show you things to come, He brought this to me. He'll reveal to you future events. Showing you things to come means He'll reveal to you future events. Ladies and gentlemen, me being here was revealed to me as a future event by the Holy Ghost quite a few years ago. Being right here in this place. What I say quite a few, you know, I don't know how long we've been coming here, but it was a couple of years actually before we came here that the first time that to have these meetings I'm talking about, that the Spirit of Truth showed me that that doesn't mean now that I, I had a vision about it and saw myself hovering over Branson, but the first time He sent me here, He sent me here, and I can't tell you why, but He sent me here, and that's the reason I'm still here, but He sent me here to accomplish a specific purpose. And if I were to say what that purpose was, some of you would pass out and I don't have enough smelling sauce to wake you all up. You understand? And if somebody died, well, my career path of raising the dead is not very good. And I know people that are, because I grabbed a dead man. I grabbed Fred Bullard, laying on this hospital flat thing with this tube down his throat where they'd been trying to bring him back. And I said, Fred, I command you to live. He didn't say a word. I said, I command you to live. He didn't say a word. I command you to live. <laughs> he didn't say a word. He lay there. He didn't talk. And the Lord said to me, he said, leave him alone, son. He said, you're trying to make a decision for Fred that he's already made. He said, he rejected me for his last time Friday night by the campfire. I didn't know that Fred had rejected the Lord Friday night by the campfire. This is on Sunday. He said, you can't bring him back. Because I knew that he went into eternity not knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'd grown up with him. I looked up to him, you know. Because uh, we grew up as, you know, heathens. You know, my daddy and him wasn't. Of course, he was. And when I got around his family, all of them were heathen, carousers, drinkers, you know, and all that, mostly just alcohol, made moonshine every now and then. But I found out later that my brother was driving down the road. And, of course, he had done come out of that lifestyle, too, one night. And he was coming down Moy Road, M-O-Y-E, in Columbus, Georgia. And he was going from one place to another place, just traveling, you know, going across, cutting across. And as he went by, he seen the, the flickering flames of fire down in Leon Bullard's yard. No, it's in Fred Bullard's. It was in Fred Bullard's yard. Leon and Fred were brothers, and they lived real close together, out kind of out in the woods, remote area. And he seen them flames, and he knew what was going on out there. On Friday night, a lot of times, they would stand around, and they would uh, carouse and drink and shoot guns and race cars and, I mean, all kinds of stuff. You know, when they got lit up, you know, Ain't no telling what's liable to happen. I mean, everybody, you know, fight. I mean, all kinds of stuff would go on. So as he was driving by, my brother was driving by, he said, the Spirit of God arrested him. He said, go back. Turn this car around and go back to the campfire. No, Lord, you brought me out of there. He used to stand by that campfire. He used to be there. He knew what was there. He knew that it'd be wild turkey, 120-proof whiskey there. If you don't know what wild turkey is, bless you. You don't need to know. I'm not talking about a bird you shoot either. I'm talking about a wild turkey whiskey. This stuff, he knew it's going to be there because Fred liked that stuff. And he'd go have some Coca-Colas and 7 ups. They'd go have all the beer you could drink. And he knew that he didn't belong in that. Not as a born-again Christian. But the Lord said, you turn around, you go back. Go back. So he said, Lord, why? He said, I want you to talk to Fred. So he turned his car around and went back and pulled up. Of course, they got out of the car, and all the drunks were glad to see him. Hey, Scott, how you doing, buddy? I, I, we ain't seen you. Somebody said you made a preacher. Did you make a preacher? That's good country talk for city folks. 
You made something. You always made something. They believed in working and doing, you know. We've lost that. But we're coming back to it, I believe. You made a preacher. We ain't seen you in a long time. What are you doing here? And so he said, Fred, he said, he said, I was driving down the road over here. And he said, uh, passing by, and he said, I seen the fire. And he said, the Lord Jesus told me to turn around and come back and talk to you. Because everybody got silent. They, they're the country folks, but they were respected. Anything to do with God. Now it's hard to get church folks, excuse me, to respect God. I'm not excuse me. But these country folks, even they were carousers. I mean, if the Bible started being read, they pulled a hat off. I mean, they did. They bowed their head. Somebody prayed. I mean, they might have been, they knew, you know, we need God. They knew they respected that. So when Scott said, Fred, the Lord Jesus sent me here to talk to you. Well, immediately, whew, they stopped. He said they started putting in their beer cans, you know, and all that. <laughs> they want to get far away from that. They can now, you know what I mean? Our presence should convict people of righteousness. And because the church doesn't have the conviction of righteousness on it as a whole, people have lost the respect for God. They don't fear God anymore. But I mean in a reverential fear and respect. So he started talking to Fred. And Fred stood there, obediently listened. He didn't, you know, yell at him and scream at him and tell him to leave. But he told him. He said, the Lord sent me here, Fred. And he said, he told me to tell you. You need to get right with God. Now, he didn't know that Fred's going to die Sunday. He had no idea it was going to happen. He was just being led by the Lord. But remember, this comes back to what we were sharing last night. If you'll be led by the Spirit of God and have a relationship with the Lord and spend time in prayer, He'll show you where to go, where to be, and you won't spend a lot of wasted time going out doing things. You'll find the right thing, which will be the Holy Ghost thing. But anyway, he started talking to him. Share with him. And so, in the end, Fred said, yeah, I hear you, Scott. He said, I, I, you know, I, I believe all that. He said, but, he said, I'm just not ready yet. He said, one of these days, he said, I'll get ready. You know, all of us, you know, and people believe, and society believes, it's all this, one of these days. You know, one of these days. Well, Scott, you know, encouraged, pleaded, you know, as much as he could, because that anointing was on him to do so. And of course, they were respectful, and he finally got in his car and left because that's all he could do. So he drove on, and so it was Sunday afternoon. He was sitting in his chair at home at his house at the same house that Scott was in where the fire was in the yard. And then suddenly, his wife was in the kitchen preparing uh, the noon meal for him, and she heard something clatter and clamor and hit the floor. It's a wooden floor with a crawl space under it, so boom, and it kind of rocked the house. So she ran in there to see, and there lay Fred dead on the floor. He was dead almost instantly. So when they rushed him to the hospital, I got the phone call, and I went to the hospital because I didn't want Fred to go to hell because I love Fred. But then I found out after the fact that what the Lord told me at the hospital, because I tried to raise him from the dead, you know what I mean, and, and it didn't work. He said, you're trying to make a decision for him that he's already made. He said he made that decision to reject me on Friday and that was his last time. The, the mercy of God is far beyond our understanding. But you keep on rejecting God. You keep on rejecting God. And, and it wasn't this. It wasn't that God killed him. You understand? He had a, a bad heart problem and the Lord knew it. I mean, bad heart problem to the point that he thought it was indigestion. And he'd been dealing with this thing for months and weeks, and they was the kind of folks that didn't go to the doctor, you know what I mean, at all. I mean, you just died, you know, saw your finger off, put a piece of duct tape on it, and go on. Turpentine, maybe, you know, that's kind of the way. Anybody remember turpentine days? But I remember, I mean, I remember daddy used to do it, you know. But anyway, that's the way they would do it. And so he didn't know he had a bad heart problem, but God did. And he knew that he was stepping out into eternity, and he probably knew the exact time he was going. And it wasn't God that killed him, he was trying to warn him. Don't step out into eternity. And so, anyway, I got into all that by telling you, if I told you some of these things, my track record of raising people from the dead is not very good. So I don't want nobody to die, <laughs> to die for telling you the reason that God first sent me here to Branson, Missouri. But there is a reason. And so it has changed somewhat since then. 
But things are happening, and thank God is God's will and God's plan. But he said he will show to you, and that's how we got to talking about that, is he will show you things to come, which means he will reveal to you future events. He'll reveal to you future events. That's what he'll do. So he showed me to come here, and it was for a purpose and reason. You know, I know Branson as a whole, you know, it's, it's, it's supposed to be a godly area and a lot of good people, but there's a lot of things working in the realm of the Spirit now that people may not even realize about this area. But God's got a plan, and God's plan will take place, and it will come to pass. So what we want to do is we want to focus on what the Lord Jesus Christ is revealing and telling us to do. We want to stay with a revelation that comes from heaven. We want to stay with a revelation that comes from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And again, us here in this room, a lot of us have different paths that we're walking on. And it doesn't mean just because you're not walking on my path that you're on the wrong path. Or because it, maybe we're on the same path, we're on the wrong path. But there's different people that are headed in the same direction generally, but they see things a little differently. But there's always a heavenly vision. So turn to Acts 26, 19. And we want to follow the example of the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts for this day that we live in. There are things that are happening in the United States of America. That are, there are things that are coming on the United States of America that God wants us to pray about, not just here, but pray about in our lives. Pray about in our churches. He wants us to do that. There's things that are happening. He wants us to understand what he's doing. Paul was taken before King Agrippa to give his testimony. He had appealed, you know, and, and so they had uh, taken him before King Agrippa. And this is a verse that the Lord's been dealing with about now for quite a few years. He brings me back to this verse and reminds me that there is a heavenly vision. There is a plan that God has. It's not the plan of man. It doesn't go with the ideas of man. And it doesn't always fit the church's agenda. But it's God's plan. And that's the plan that we want to be on. So the Apostle Paul said this to King Agrippa in Acts 26 verse 13. He said, at midday, O king, talking to King Agrippa, he said, I saw in the way a light from heaven. Now when he said, I saw a light from heaven, he's not talking about somebody standing up there with a big, uh, you know, 100,000 power candlelight, flashlight, blaming it down. You know what I mean? He's not talking about somebody turning a, the, the lights on inside of a room. He said, I saw in the way a light from heaven. That's the only way he could describe it. But you and I know it to be something. What? The glory of God. God's glory showed up where the apostle Paul was at. Of course, his name was Saul at that time. But that's what he's doing. He's telling this story. He said, I saw in the way a light from heaven, which is the glory of God. It says, and it was above the brightness of the sun. In other words, this light was brighter than the sun. You know what? God is brighter and more glorious than anything in creation. Isn't that right? He said it was above the brightness of the sun. Now have you ever tried to look in the sun in its fullness and just gaze at it? I mean you can't do it. I mean when it's fully bright. But he said this light was above and beyond the brightness of the sun. He's trying to describe to King Agrippa what had happened. The glory of God was so bright. He said, it was shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. In other words, it didn't shine just around the Apostle Paul, but those that were with him. This glory encompassed them all. Look at verse 14. And when we were all, A-L-L, all, A-L-L, all fallen to the earth. When God's glory shows up. In its fullness, uh, they're going to sing that song over you, remember? Another one bit the dust. I'm telling you, when the glory shows up, we have been there. I would dare say that probably most of us have been there. Where the glory showed up, not even in this brightness, and we couldn't stand. I mean, we sung that song ourselves. <laughs> 
<laughs> Bang! I mean, we were what we call slain in the Spirit. This anointing of God came on us. And this is what was happening. We were all fallen to the ground, all of them. Every one were overcome by the glory of God. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm looking for some overcoming services. I'm looking for this to come above the brightness of the sun to come into our midst because we've seen it in a measure. We've seen a little glory here and there. But the promise is that there's a glory that's coming that we have never seen or known in any other generation. It's the early rain and the latter rain coming together in one. And that's the glory that's going to get us ready for the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're in the edges of this, I believe, even now. So they were all fallen to the earth. Why? Because God's glory was there. God's glory came. He said, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecuteth thou me? Of course, and it's got a question mark here. Why persecuteth thou me? Saul is not understanding what he's doing. He thinks he's doing the right thing. He thinks he's following the right revelation. He thinks he's going with the right truth. He's following the plans and ideas of men. He's following what he's been taught, what he's been trained. And he's stuck in a mode and he can't get out of it to the point that he's going out to have people arrested because they've got a vision that's contrary to the vision that he grew up with. And the vision that contradicts everything, you know, that he couldn't conceive and believe. They were saying that salvation comes through the Lord Jesus Christ and his shed blood and believing in him only, not by just keeping the law. You can't keep the law and get there. And he couldn't conceive that because he only had the revelation of the law. And if you keep this regulation, you keep this rule, you keep that law, then all of you are going to make it. It's like when I was in Jerusalem at the King David Hotel. On Shabbat, on a Friday night. I don't know if you've ever been there or not. But things get excited. That's the high and holy days for the Jewish people. And I was there at the King David Hotel on a Friday evening. And I was going to go upstairs. It was a real high floor you know, I was on. So I was going to go get on the elevator. And I, this, when I walked up to the elevator, the door was open. And I seen uh, there were some Jewish people that, who I, I didn't disrespect them at all, but I could tell what they were the Jews that really believed it. You know what I mean? They had the, the men had the black hats, the beards, and the sideburns, and they were dressed in black suits, you know, and, and the ladies were dressed very, very modestly, you know, and everything like that. And, and so the door just stayed open, and they're standing there, and they're with me. There was three or four, it's a giant elevator inside. And there was three or four or five or six of us in there. And I'm the only uh, what they call Gentile Jew in the place. I'm a Gentile Jew because I've been grafted in. That's what the Bible says. I've been grafted in. I'm a Gentile Jew. I mean, you know, and I don't disrespect my Jewish brothers and sisters. I don't respect disrespect them, but I've been grafted in, you know. And so I thought, well, I'm going to help my brothers and sisters out. Because the door's open. Something's wrong with this elevator. Well, I'm a fix-it man. You know what I mean? I, I'll fix this thing. We're going to make this thing move. It's going to go up and down, do something. So I reached up to touch a button. And when I did, it, it was like the end of the world took place. Immediately, all of my Jewish friends standing there who I'd never met started hollering this word, Shabbat, 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 Shabbat. I knew, didn't exactly understand what they were talking about, but I knew that pointing my finger at that button was not a good thing. I mean, I could just tell that. <laughs> Don't touch that button. You touch that button, boy, it may be the end for you. Don't, Shabbat, Shabbat. And then it dawned on me. Oh, this is what they told us. If they touch that button, they believe that they're creating something and they're disrespecting the commandments of God. And I'm standing there, and I'm about to disrespect God by touching that button, and I knew they would call fire down on me if they didn't kill me myself. They used to stone them in the Old Testament, you know. I don't know if I'd have made it out, but I realized what was going on. And so I said, oh, I said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And, and I walked out, and I went to another elevator 
where you could push the button. <laughs> because at Shavat, the high and holy day, they can't push anything, do anything that's creative. I think they can go three quarters of a mile, something like that. The real people that believe in, but anyway, they, it, then I discovered what's going on. The hotel on Shabbat, Friday night, which is it was about 6 p.m. Friday, the priest is actually supposed to announce it, but they just go from 6 p.m. Friday to 6 p.m. Saturday. It's the holy day, you know. And, uh, but anyway, I realized what I had been taught. Then, uh, yeah, that's what they do. They set the elevator so that you can get on it, and it, the door opens automatically and closes automatically at every floor. So if there's 30 floors, you're going to get to see the carpet on every floor. But you don't touch that button. Because they believe if you do, you're disrespecting uh, God, and you're disrespecting what Moses taught, and then all the other rules and regulations that they put on behind it, you know. And so what I'm saying, said all that to say this. They were stuck just like Paul was stuck. Saul. Saul believed that what he was doing was right because he was operating under one revelation, under one truth, which was correct in his day. But the Bible is progressive revelation. And not outside the Bible, but everything will coincide with the Bible. In fact, if you go look at the New Testament writers, most every truth, not all of them, but most truths that they preached and taught in the New Testament and wrote for us came as a revelation of the Old Testament. Go look, go see how many times Jesus quoted Moses. Go see how many times he's done it. Read it yourself. See how many times Paul quoted what they'd done back there. Because we learn, it's progressive. He learned in type and shadow. There's things that happen there that we can learn from. Isn't that right? So... Paul here, Saul, thought he was going the right way because he had come on the up on that revelation, truth that he had, and he didn't know anything else, and he was stuck where he was at. You know, I'm talking about being stuck. Well, I was on this elevator, and I was stuck because if I touched that button, I would have probably, I don't know what would happen, but it would have been highly disrespectful to my Jewish friends, and I certainly didn't want to be disrespectful at all. Or nothing. In fact, I, we, got to, we got to be able to go to the synagogue. And I made the mistake. You know, I can just put my foot in my mouth all the time. And that we were in the synagogue. You know, Colonel Shuki's there. Ronnie Levy is there, if you remember him. So, you know, I'm in there and I'm wondering all this. And they're talking about the men sat here and then the, the women sat there in the balcony. And, of course, I want to get up there on the platform and feel what it feel like what it be the priest, you know. <laughs> they said, go on up there. And, of course, I was looking for God. I wanted him to get me, you know. But I'm standing up there, and these people are standing around. And I said, well, well why does the women have to sit in the balcony? I've seen faces started getting red and everything. And then Sister Billy, she's standing there. She said, I'll tell you. She said, because the women may be on their period, and if they're on their period, uh, that means they're unclean, so all women have to sit up there. That's a good revelation in a church service. <laughs> I, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. But, uh, you know, but you say, well, we laugh about that, but they're serious about it. Because that's their revelation. They're there. They're in this mindset. There's blinders there. But now, I don't say this to condemn. But if you don't watch it as a born-again Christian, you can get blinders on your life. And you can miss revelation truths. Brother Summerall, you know, equated his longevity, Dr. Summerall, to catching every wave of God that came along. Dad Hagen equated his longevity to catching every wave of God that came along. Because there are waves. Now, not every wave is God's wave. We understand that. There are things that the devil does just to try to mess up what God is doing. Now, there's a big wave coming in now. And it's on that many people are riding that it has nothing to do with the wave and move of the Spirit. Nothing. So Paul here, see, was caught in a mindset. 
And so when he was headed to Damascus, and he's telling King Agrippa about it, and this light of glory shone round about him, why? He was about to get his revelation changed. He was about to receive on a higher level. And I believe in this day that God is going to help us to receive things not beyond the Bible. It's going to coincide with the Bible. It's going to agree with the Bible. In fact, the things that Paul taught, he went back and found Jesus in the Old Testament. And then he got revelation in the New Testament and wrote it down. So Paul's revelation is about to increase, is what you could say, because of the glory of God. And so the voice spoke to him in the Hebrew tongue, saying, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Verse 15. And I said, Saul said, Who art thou, Lord? So he called him what? Lord. What did he call him? Lord. When Jesus shows up, you're going to call him Lord too. The problem in a lot in this generation that we have is people are trying to bring Jesus down to human level. They're trying to make him their sidekick, their buddy, their uppy, their pal, their partner. But Saul called him Lord. And he is Lord. And you're not going to disrespect the Lord and have him as your sidekick your buddy. He is your Lord and he's going to be your judge. All of us is going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And we need to respect him, reverence him, honor him. Because if he's just your uppy, your sidekick, your buddy, your friend, your partner, you'll treat him as such. And you'll act as such around him. You'll begin to disrespect him. You'll begin to dishonor him. Just like your friends. You'll just treat him like he's another fellow. You won't treat him as one that's a disciplined individual. He expects you to have discipline in your life to follow him. So, <clears throat> Paul is about to get his revelation increased. He said, I am Jesus. And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord answered him. He said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. Now when he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest, this gives us a revelation. Right here in this phrase, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. What revelation do we get out of this? Not twisting the Bible, not conniving or changing the scriptures, or not translating something to something, but what revelation? There's a revelation in this phrase, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. This is the revelation we get, and you already know this. You just hesitate to answer because we want to make sure we're getting the right one, you know. We didn't talk about getting in here and all that, and fire might fall on us and all that stuff. But the revelation is this. Jesus, he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecuted. Well, the revelation is, well, Paul hadn't persecuted Jesus personally. He wasn't there where Jesus was at. He didn't throw no rock at him. He wasn't holding the coats of the people that were stoning Jesus or hanging him on the cross. So what was a revelation? That when you persecute one of the born-again Christians, you're persecuting Jesus. That's the revelation. If you persecute one of my children, he's telling Saul, you've persecuted me. You're coming against me. So that means we've got somebody on our side. Oh, you can be encouraged. I mean, Paul was was going around acting like a scoundrel for a while, you know, against the church. He was acting like a scoundrel, attacking people, coming against people. And he thought, well, I'm just all powerful. I've got the government, the Jewish government, you know, behind me. I've got letters and citations and arrest warrants and all this stuff we'd call them today. I'm the big man. But when Jesus showed up, he found out, oh, I've been messing with the wrong folks. I've been messing with the wrong people. You've got Jesus always there to back you up wherever you're at. So don't be discouraged. Be encouraged. So that's the revelation. We get out of this particular phrase. I am Jesus whom thou persecuteth. Again, Saul was not persecuting Jesus directly. But indirectly, any person that is born again 
washed in the blood, Jesus said, when you persecute them, you're persecuting me. So all I can say is, don't mess with me. My daddy was a simple, very simple man. He had a sixth grade education. He was in the Assemblies of God. And he always believed right, up, right before the time he went on to be with Jesus, and we helped him to see in the Scriptures a little bit differently. But he always believed that Holy Spirit and Holy Ghost was two different spirits. He always believed that. Because the denomination a lot of times, indirectly, it wasn't in the books, you know, but they all talked about it. It's passed on oral tradition, you call it, you know. That's a lot of the way the Jewish stuff is handed down by oral tradition. In oral tradition, they believe that when it said Holy Ghost, it was, you, you spoke in tongues, Holy Spirit's when you get born again. You know what I mean? And of course, it's all the same spirit. But they looked at it all the time as two spirits, uh, two things. And so Daddy had kind of some different ideas because of a lack of education and the revelation that he'd come up in in that generation, you know, and understanding what was happening. But... Uh, when people would come against him in the church, every person that came against my daddy in a hard way in the church, and I mean, he created havoc for him, and, and he was trying to help them. And it's sometimes uh, the people he tried to help the most hurt him the worst. You know what I mean? And he would always, always walk in love. In fact, you know, us boys, you know, we were little, but we want to help God, you know, because we seen our daddy, you know, and seen the pressure he was going through, and he didn't know anything about prosperity, so he worked every day, you know, a job. He had a sheetrock business, and, and he would work, uh, you know, all day, and he would come home, and, and then we would eat, and us boys would come in from school, me and Ray, my older brother Ray and I, and we was big enough to help Daddy, and he would take us back after we ate, and we'd work till dark. And then Daddy would pastor too, because he didn't know anything about prosperity. He didn't know, and in the church back in those days, they didn't support the, the preacher like they should have. And everything. I mean, they didn't. And so we, we was that way. But I could, the people that come against Daddy, you know, my brother Ray and I, we'd, we'd see it. We'd, we'd know it. And, and, of course, Daddy wouldn't let us talk about it. And my mama, she would, she would say her mind. You know what I mean? <laughs> somehow they're, they're going to say their mind. They're going to say their piece. Somehow they're going to get it in there, you know. But uh, Daddy would say, now, Francis, you know, my mama's named that. Francis, don't, don't be saying that in the church. No, he's, we don't want nobody to know it or nothing. There. But, you know. I can take you, and I don't say this in pride, but I can take you to the graveyard today where these people are buried that come against my daddy. Patty, can you say the same thing, that there's people that come against your daddy? Yeah. I'm talking about people that attacked her daddy personally. That in, you know, when you get out there and you start attacking God's children, you open the door to the devil. It's not that God killed them. But my daddy was doing the best he could under the circumstances. That's all he knew. Patty's daddy, under the circumstances, done the best he could. And there's, there's three things I can tell you about longevity. If you want to live a long life, because I watched her daddy. He and I has never had a crossword. Never. He, he's a loving man. He, he's just so merciful. He's so gracious. He's that way. He's always believed in me. I mean, to start with, it was questionable, you know. <laughs> Here's this convict getting his little daughter, this Miss Prissy, this grew up doing everything right, you know, and yeah, done everything right. And, and here comes this convict, you know, and swept her off her feet. But there was things I witnessed about him because he did make some mistakes. I was with him when he made some mistakes. I cried with him. I mean, what, what the church world would call bad mistakes. But I was there. He was always quick to repent. Quick. If you want to live a long life, be quick to repent. Number two, be quick to forgive. And number three, be quick to believe. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't walk in love. That all goes with it. You know, when you're quick to repent and quick to forgive... And quick to believe. Repenting, you know, that, and forgiving is walking in love. You understand? Because somebody mentioned that, but that's the truth. Those three things, if you'll be quick to repent, if you miss it, don't just, you know, just acknowledge. And you know what I'm not talking about, digging up nothing. Just say, oh, Lord, I missed that. I shouldn't have done that. I, I, I shouldn't have had that attitude. Lord, forgive me. He's always been that way. I've seen him. I've been right there with him, right beside him. 
just squalling. Oh, God, forgive me. I mean, meant it from his heart. Six months later, might do the same thing, but, <laughs> but meant it from his heart. And we're not putting anybody down because you're just like that too. We're all humans, and that's where the mercy and grace of God comes in. But you be quick to repent, quick to forgive, and quick to believe, and you'll just keep sailing right on. I've watched it. If you need mercy, you need to give a little bit. You know what I mean? I don't know how you got me on that anyway. But everybody that come out against him, you know, in a very hard, hard way over the years, they didn't live a long life. They didn't. They died prematurely. Everybody that come against my daddy in a hard way, in a hard way, my daddy would not fight his battles. You know what I mean? Naturally. In a hard way. And it wasn't that God killed them. You understand that. But when you get away from the Lord and you start messing with God's children, even if you are a Christian, if you start attacking the Lord's children and coming against His work, then you're coming against the Lord. Because the Lord said, Paul, he said, Who art thou, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus whom thou persecutest. And that's how we got talking about this. Isn't that right? So... <clears throat> Verse 16, this is what Jesus said to him. He says, but rise and stand upon thy feet. You know, the glory of God always humbles you if you got the right attitude. And it brings you to a place of humility. When the glory of God shone round about Paul and the other people there, they were all fallen to the ground. And then humility says, who art thou? Lord. He didn't say, well, I'm sent from the high priest and I've got papers and I'm going to arrest you. No. He had a humble attitude, didn't he? The glory, if you'll yield to it, will bring you to a place of humility. But then when you come to that place of humility, Jesus always raises those up that will humble themselves. He said, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. So the way up in God is down. The way up in God is down. Isn't that right? So Paul humbled himself by saying, Who art thou, Lord? And then the Lord said, Rise. Isn't that what he said? <coughs> the Lord said unto him, Rise and stand upon thy feet. In those words, even though the glory was there, even though he was overcome by that glory, there was enough power in those words to give Paul the ability to stand up in his broken mess that he was in, in the condition that he was in, in the lack of revelation that he had that he was in. He had the ability to stand because Jesus spoke the words. When you believe the word of God and act on it, you can do things that you couldn't do any other way. Paul couldn't stand on his own but when Jesus spoke the words, Rise and stand upon thy feet, he was able to do it. He said, For I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee. Notice there's two specific things here that he started with the first. He said, I'm going to make you a ministry, a minister in what else? A witness. A witness to what? Both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things into which I will appear unto thee. So he's going to be made a minister, but also he's going to be given a, a testimony. He's going to be given a revelation. He's going to be given a witness that he's supposed to carry to the church world, to us, to the Gentiles. He actually was, you know, went to the Gentiles and then Peter went to the Jews. But do you see that? He said, to make thee a minister and a witness. A witness of what? A witness as a testimony. In other words, a fact giver. Both of these things which thou hast seen, the things that he's already talking about, and of those things into which I shall appear unto thee. Jesus appeared to the Apostle Paul. But he's appeared to other people too. And he's appeared to you and I. Isn't that right? Verse 17 says, Delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles 
unto whom now I send thee. Says to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those which are sanctified by faith that is in me. You see that. Verse 19, this is what I want to get to, saying all that. He said, Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. In other words, it no longer was Paul's idea. It no longer was Paul's plan. But he was operating in what? The heavenly vision. Ladies and gentlemen, there is a heavenly vision that I believe that God has for us in the body of Christ today that we're going to get into. I believe that it belongs to us and things that he's saying and things that he's doing and things about our nation that we need to understand today and thank God we will. But I'm going to say with the Apostle Paul, I'm not going to be disobedient unto the heavenly vision. And I believe that you can say the same thing, that you're not going to be disobedient to the heavenly vision, but you're going to follow the Lord, you're going to follow His Word, and you're going to follow the Holy Ghost, and we're going to come out on top every single time without fail. Isn't that right? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you.